Welcome to the Narrator's Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrator's, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded live on January 16th, 2014. The theme of the evening was Things I've Forgotten. Um, your last storyteller is a favorite on our show. He runs a weekly show in this room called Too Much Fun. It's every Wednesday night at 1030. It's Denver's best weekly comedy show, uh, and he's a hilarious dude. Please welcome Chris Sharpentier. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm going to tell two stories, one real quick, because uh, it was the first thing that I thought of uh, when I heard the topic, because it just so happened that I uh, recently, well, I'll just start at the beginning. So uh, about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, I started dating uh, a sweet gal who is now my girlfriend, and she's lovely, and she's wonderful. Uh, and we, on our first date, uh, I got really high before the first date, because I was, I was really nervous, and that's how I deal with everything. If I'm really happy, I get whatever. <laughs> So I was really nervous, so I got really high. And uh, my girlfriend is also a comedian. And so with comedians, you get to push the limits a little bit more with joking. And I took liberty uh, with doing that. I was having a lot of fun on the date. Uh, though I don't remember the date. That's the problem. Uh, but my girlfriend, uh, she's weird enough to date me. So she's kind of a weird girl. So one of the things that she did was document some of the things that she thought were really weird and funny that I said on our first date. And she recently shared those with me. <laughs> and I'll share those with you. So these are real things that I said to my girlfriend that I do not remember saying to her on our very first date. Uh, in all caps, I want to watch you eat it. <laughs> yeah. Again, she's a comedian, so a lot of liberties. Easy to joke with. Lots of jokes. Lots of jokes. Remember that. So, uh, <laughs> that gal... Oh, sorry, it went out. Hang on. <clears throat> that gal in the wheelchair over there can't even close her legs. Whore! I don't even, this one doesn't even make sense to me. I don't know what the hell. This one says, <laughs> I couldn't tell it was a girl till I saw it from behind, where it counts. <laughs> what? <laughs> the fuck was I talking? That doesn't even make any sense. And then this one, no, no surprise, I was talking about my hair on the date. It's the only thing I'm really proud of. And uh, so... At some point, I must have said something about my hair, and she must have said something like, well, what if I cut it off while you're sleeping? And my response to that was, if you cut my hair off while I'm asleep, I'll cut your feet off while you're awake. It's <laughs> pretty good. We've been together almost a year, everybody. Isn't that sweet? It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're clearly made for each other, obviously. So, uh, that was the first thing that came to mind, and then I remembered this story, uh, and this is a story 
uh, that I've tried to block from my brain uh, for obvious reasons, as you'll see. Uh, so when I was about, uh, like I said uh, in that story, and that was, all of what I just said was true, I, uh, I smoked a lot of weed before. I smoke a lot of weed. I'm very good at partying. I'm very good at doing drugs. Uh, I've learned how. But <laughs> the only way you get really good at doing drugs is by experimenting. A lot. You know what I mean? Which is what I did for a long time. And, uh, and I wasn't very good at it at one point in my life, and that was when I was young. And, uh, and I think I was about 16 or so at the time, and I had dropped out of school, and uh, I was doing every kind of drug I could. I, wa- I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't like turned to drugs because of like a poor family life. I was turned to drugs because I was bored. I was bored all the time. I was bored with what was happening, and drugs were fun. Drugs are super fun, and I at the I don't know when you guys started doing drugs or if you ever have, <laughs> but when you're <laughs> but when you're young and you're doing drugs, the idea that like oh no you like you're going to get older, you have so much time to do so much drugs, you don't. <laughs> You don't know that at the time, so you have to. You don't know when the next time that you're gonna get drugs is, so you take them all. You don't know, you know. It may, you may never. There, acid may never happen again. You don't know, so you want to take it. You know, that was my mindset at the time, and but I had no control over myself also at the time because I had no idea what I was doing, and my life was falling apart fast. Uh, because it started off as like, oh, I'm doing fun, like smoking weed, and every once in a while doing other drugs and whatever, to quickly like, oh, I'm dropped out of school and I'm selling drugs uh, just because. I had no reason to be doing this stuff. Like, I just did it. And, and I knew that I was going down a bad path, but it was pretty cool being 16 years old walking around with like two grand of cash in your pocket. I, there wasn't a lot of other kids doing that, you know? So there was a part of me that was like, oh, this is cool. But I knew that things were bad, and on the inside, things were very bad. I was not proud of what I was doing. Like, this was not what I was supposed to be doing as a 16-year-old kid the way that I grew up. This was not what I was supposed to be doing. But I was doing it, and I was doing it nonstop. And what started off was like a little bit of weed, and all of that turned into a lot of real drugs really quick. So I started selling acid and doing other drugs, basically whatever was around. And uh, I was quickly developing a serious habit, to all sorts of things, and it was very bad. And this one particular evening, I had been up, uh, not necessarily up, up, but kind of, you know how drugs are, I don't know. <laughs> I had been up for a couple of days on a variety of drugs, because uh, that's kind of how I was doing things at the time. And then uh, this particular day, I was like, you know what, let's spice it up and do a whole bunch of acid. Because uh, that's also how I did things. Again, I didn't do it... I had no idea that you could just do a little bit of acid and have fun. It was do it all, you know, and see what happens. Uh, so that's what I was doing. And uh, I was sitting in my room um, because everybody, I lived with my parents, obviously, at the time I was 16. So everybody in, uh, was asleep like normal people. And I was in my room just frying my brains out, uh, going crazy, basically, uh, because I don't know, again, drugs and sleep deprivation. Not a good combo. Not a good combo at all. And then plus, the fact that I was also doing terribly in life. Not a good combo. Put all those together. Things were not going well. And I don't know if you guys have done uh, the LSD, but your brain moves pretty quick, you know? You can get going pretty rapidly. And so what started off as a normal trip 
kind of got bad when I started thinking about things like, man, you're doing kind of shitty, you know? Like your life really isn't what you want to be doing. You should, uh, you know, you sh you're going to be a professional soccer player. What the hell happened? Like you're not even on a team anymore. You're just doing drugs all the time. You don't even go to school. You don't, what's happening? And it quickly went from that to, I'm going to kill myself. Because what the fuck else? Like, what am I doing? I, my whole purpose in life was to be a soccer player, to be a professional athlete. That's why I was put on earth. And I'm not even, I'm not even on a team because I can't do anything. I'm just, I'm a loser. I'm a drug addict, loser kid. Like, this is stupid. Nobody's proud of what I'm doing. I'm not proud of what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill myself because what a waste of, like, there are people who deserve to be alive and I'm not one of them is basically what I thought. Because there's purpose, there's things that need to be done on this earth, and I'm wasting people's time and energy, and I'm wasting my parents' love. They're just wasting it on me. I have two older brothers. Give it all to them, you know? They're doing things. They're going to achieve things. They're going to live lives and have grandkids, you know? But focus, you're just wasting it on me. So that was it. I had made up my mind, and I was going to kill myself. And I don't know why. It didn't really make any sense to me, and it doesn't now. Uh, but I decided that the best way to do this was to stab myself in the stomach with a butcher knife. I don't know why I decided to do that, but that's what I decided to do because I guess in my brain it was that that will really fuck up my dad when he finds me in the morning, which is kind of the point of what I was doing, you know? So it was like I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to let people know that I was fucking hurting and nobody did anything. So... Uh, I walked downstairs, and the whole time I was walking, I was really, I don't know how the right way to, you're not pumping yourself up, it's the exact opposite, but I'm doing it to the max, you know, I'm really, I don't want to regret this decision, so I'm thinking about everything terrible that's ever happened to me, and how God has fucked me over, if there is one, which I'm sure there's not, and my parents have no idea who I am, I have no friends. I have no, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just wasting away. So I walked into the kitchen the whole time thinking these thoughts. And I get up to the counter and I grab the butcher knife out of the uh, butcher's block thing, whatever. And I pull it out. And I'm taking my last moments. I'm thinking it's heavy. It's hard. I remember everything. Like I remember how sweaty my hand was on the wood handle of the knife. And I remember just the sinking feeling like I was, I've never been heavier. I was so heavy. Everything about me was just heavy. It was hard to pick up the knife. Everything was so intense. And I put the knife up to my belly, and I, I looked down, and I saw my reflection in the knife, and my eyeballs kind of started, like, waving and moving around. And I was like, wow. And I started looking at my reflection. <laughs> I was like, man. And then I got bored with that, and I put the knife down, and I went and watched TV. Thank you guys very much. Have a wonderful night. That's Chris Charpentier. Uh, so things I've forgotten. Uh, I had so many things to choose from, or I guess I thought I did, as I was like sifting through my garbage dump memory. Um, but I recently... Uh, went, revisited the neighborhood where I grew up. I had some time to kill uh, before my daughter's violin class, so I drove her down to where I grew up in Littleton. I grew up right on the border of Littleton and Highlands Ranch. Pretty cool area. Um, <laughs> but I went and I drove through there again, and I, and I had forgotten so many 
so many parts of my life from back then. I drove, I drove by the Target uh, where I was a professional shoplifter, and I would, <laughs> I would shoplift so often from this Target, and what I would do is I would take a pair of jeans to the dressing room, and they would inspect them. they like, hold them up and shake them, and then they would give you, like, a tag, and they'd give you a dressing room. And I'd go in, and I would pretend to try on the jeans, and then I would come out and be like, oh, they're just a little bit too tight. Can I just run and grab another pair? And they would always say yes. They're like, yeah, just go grab another pair. And so then I would run, and I would put the Walkman that I had stashed uh, in those jeans that were out there in, back inside the jeans, and I would run back to the dressing room and be like, oh, I got another pair. And they would never check the second pair because I was so excited about the first pair, and it was just a little bit too tight, and I was sure that this one would fit. So I would take that into the dressing room, and then I had a box cutter, and I would just go to work, take the Walkman out of the security packaging, <laughs> put it in the waistband of my real pants, my, like, Jinko jeans and, like, big <laughs> fucking stupid floppy T-shirt, which is ideally made for shoplifting. Uh... <laughs> And then I would leave, and I'd be like, oh, I'll tell my mom to buy those for me, bye. And I would leave. And I would do that over and over again to the point where I was like, sooner or later, I'm going to just encounter the same clerk. And they're going to be like, no, you piece of shit. But I would, like, <laughs> I would take orders at my high school for, like, electronics. Like, that's the level I was st- I remember I stole my friend uh, a pressman. I don't know if you remember uh, a long time ago, journalists would use a tape recorder that took little baby tapes. Uh, and it was called a pressman. And I remember my friend was like, yeah, I want a pressman. And I was like, why do you want one of those? Are you reporting? He's like, no, I've just always wanted one. I like those little tapes. So I went and I stole him one and I got that. So I drove by that Target. And then I drove by uh, the gas station where my friend worked the graveyard shift. And me and another friend had this great idea to pretend to rob him uh, to spice up his graveyard shift. Because he was, he was so bored there in Highlands Ranch. Uh, so we got ski masks and fake guns, and we drove, uh, we drove to his gas station. And I don't remember what time, like midnight or, uh, or like 1 a.m. And we were getting all the stuff out of the car, and a police car pulled up. So we put everything back in the trunk, and we're just like, like acting cool, just standing outside of this parked car in the blind spot behind a gas station. Uh, and the cop asked us what we were doing, and I replied, just goofing around. <laughs> Which is an excuse that only a white teenager would think is acceptable to give to a cop at that hour. Just goofing around is all we're doing. And he responded, don't goof around. And he made us sit in the back of his squad car while he had our friend confirm that we were, in fact, his friends. Because we're like, we're visiting our friend. And then our friend like, made it last for like 30 minutes because he's just a, a fucker. Um, but what I had really forgotten... Uh, were the coffee shops. I went by the Perkins, where that was the first coffee shop I hung out with. <laughs> Just spending hours at this Perkins, like, infatuated with all the teen goth waitresses that worked there. Uh, so I just drinking, like, 17 cups of coffee with, like, 14 sugars each. Right? And then they changed the smoking policy at Perkins, so uh, we moved to Village Inn, the Village Inn and Hound's Ranch, where I tried to pay... Uh, with pennies one night and they kicked me out even though I had enough pennies and I remember threatening to sue them for not taking U.S. currency and the manager just laughed at me which I was so angry about but now as an adult I'm like yeah if a teenager threatened to sue me <laughs> as I was kicking him out for paying with pennies I would have laughed too I'm like yeah I'll wait to hear from your lawyer I'm sure that I'm sure that will happen but then it was a coup for me. I took those pennies to the Conoco and bought cigarettes where they will accept pennies. 
as currency. So many cigarettes. Uh, and then I drove by the IHOP, um, where I once tipped a waitress seven cents. Um, I'm not proud of it. I was a teenager. She charged me 60 cents for syrup uh, because I put the syrup in my coffee. And apparently at International House of Pancakes, if you don't use the syrup for your pancakes, there is a 60-cent surcharge for that, (laughs) which they don't put on the menu, but a mean waitress will, in fact, charge you when she gives you the bill. And I was like, I didn't know that that was even a thing. And she was like, yeah, well, you didn't put it on pancakes. You put it on coffee, which, by the way, is disgusting. It's so gross. It just, like, it just like congealed and, like, curdled the coffee. Um, so, anyway, I left her a seven-cent tip, and then as we were leaving the parking lot, she ran out after us and threw it in my face and yelled, you need that more than I do. <laughs> uh, which I don't think w- uh, was true for either of us. I don't know uh, about that. But, that, like, I'd forgotten all those coffee shops, and then when I was thinking about those coffee shops, I realized that I'd also forgotten, like, having the best time of my life with just, like, a friend and a cup of coffee and, like, no booze and no iPhone and no laptop. It was just, like, a coffee place. Like, you could only do that. You could either, like, read a paper book or you had to talk to somebody. Those were your only two options (laughs) in a coffee shop. And it was awesome. Uh, So in forgetting all those things, I've sort of uh, been inspired to find those things again. The end of my story. Thank you. (laughs) That's how I end my stories now. That's the end of my story. The Narrator's Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrator's Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl. Or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to thenarratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.